You're now listening to the River Claremont Podcast. I'll go ahead and get into today's message. This past week was awesome. It was the first time I've got to go for the entire week of Youth Fire Week. We sent a team last year that was really awesome. We won a van last year uh, as well, and so um, the Lord has been blessing us. But going there this year, this year uh, I remember, I think it was Tuesday night or Wednesday night, maybe Wednesday night, I, 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 had, I was standing on the field and I started crying because I had kind of a revelation, and it's maybe hard to explain, but I recognized that everything the devil does is the counter move. So... In the church, we get this backwards a lot of times, that we think what the devil's doing, thus the church needs to do something. Oh, it's getting wicked in America, so the church has got to do something about it. But the devil and darkness is always the counter move. It's the opposite of what God is already doing. And as I, as I sat on the field that night, I recognized that yes, it seems like this generation is being promoted with the most confused perversion that has ever been um, given to any generation before. But if that's the counter move, then the genuine move is that God is raising up a spirit-filled holiness generation. And it's happening even now. That there is a young generation on the rise that will not touch the unclean things of this world. They will not be swayed by fame nor fortune. They will have hearts of gold. They will carry God's glory. They will turn back the tide of the enemy for decades and generations to come. And it's happening right here in this church. If you believe that, say amen. The devil is defeated. He will not win. And I watched as these young kids this week, so many of them, the common thing they were saying was they weren't like, they weren't there, uh, you know, some of them were there, you know, at the first because parents or grandparents forced them to go. (laughs) But quickly, I began to hear so many of them, they were pressing into the Lord to hear the calling of God for their lives. I mean, you're talking about eight-year-olds saying, I... They're pressing in to hear the call of God on their lives. When I was eight years old, I was picking my nose, which they probably did as they pressed in for the call of God. Lord, is that you? No, that's your hand. They could just find the button. There it is. I hear him. But... I noticed how many people, they were really pressing in, including the teens, for the call of God on their life. And so I want to minister this morning to you about three ways to miss God. There are three ways that I've witnessed in my life that people miss the things of God in their life, whether it's the calling, the specific season assignment that you're in, or just even anything God has for you. You can miss God, number one, simply because you aren't listening. God is always speaking. The question is, are you hearing? And so we can, we, we, we can say what we want to say, but there's a lot of people that it's like, well, I just, what is God doing? What is this? But you're just not in tune with the Spirit to hear what the Spirit has to say. We do it in life all the time where it's like we're, we, we, we have things going on, so we don't even hear what's around us happening. God is speaking all the time to every generation. The question is, are you tuned in to hear it? 
And one of the reasons why people aren't listening is sin. You're playing with sin. You still toy with it and expect to be able to walk in the holy things of God, but yet not deal with the sin in your life. What is wrong with the church today where we think that we are supposed to be just like the world, but yet God's going to give us holy things too? Do not let sin win in your life. Make a decision over your household and over your children. Sin will not dominate in this house. We will break the back of this hellish lie. We will not live our lives ashamed, hiding away in dark corners. Lord, let the light of your power shine in the hearts of every one of us that we would be set free from the power of sin. We got people, I remember a friend of mine. His name's Pat Shatley, and I apologize for my voice. You know, everybody that came back from Kids Week sounds exactly like this. It was 130 billion degrees outside. <laughs> and we were out in it 12 hours a day. It takes a toll on your physical body, to say the least. I don't actually know what day it is or where I'm at right now. But there's a lot of people here, so I must be at the right place. <laughs> I remember a friend of mine, his name's Pat Schatzlein. He was one of the gentlemen that prophesied to my wife and I about becoming senior pastors. He didn't know anything, but he prophesied it to us years ago. And he looked at me one time, and I remember what he said. He said, you know what? He's, the Lord showed him that in the church, um, one, of the, one of the areas that the devil will pervert the most is the praise and worship. He said there's, a, there's coming and there is already a large bit of praise and worship that has been perverted because they're living sinful lives, but they're able to perpetrate something from the soulish realm. And so the devil thrives in the soulish realm, but he's driven out in the spirit realm. And so Pat Schatz, I remember he's saying, he said, just watch that in this generation because we're having a generation that will flock to worship things but flee when the word is pre preached. And rather than writing songs that are pointing to Jesus or to the glory of God or to the word, they write songs about their personal struggles. Always staying perpetually in a state of defeatism. Because the soul doesn't truly want to be set free. It just wants to be felt sorry for, for what it's going through. And never take responsibility to turn things around in its life. But this church is not that type of church. We, we want to see sin broken off of this generation. We say hell no and heaven yes. Come on somebody. We don't want to be the church that's dealing. If you're dealing with things like this, be quick to repent. And do not ever let the devil convince you that everybody in the church is living like you're living. God has raised up pure hearts and pure hands. I guarantee it. God is raising up generals and men and women full of the fire of God that are not touching unclean things. I don't care if you've seen a thousand ministers fall in sin. It does not negate the real, the real move of God where God has holy men and women set apart for the good master's use. Come on, if you believe it, say amen. There is a pure church. Someone came to me just this week and they were talking to me about that, the junk they had seen. And I said, in all of that, it does not ever negate the fact that there is a pure church. 
with pure motives, with pure hearts and clean hands that will give to the poor, go out of their way, pray, prophesy, lay hands on the sick and not get entangled with sin. But a lot of people get entangled with sin because they don't, they, they, they are more concerned with being liked by this world than they are than walking in holiness. Choose holiness. Because this life is but a vapor and then it's gone. The goal is not to see what you can get away with or how perverse you can be and still show up at church. The goal is not to get drunk at a bar Saturday night, sleep with a stranger, and get up and lead worship Sunday morning. The goal is to walk the walk and talk the talk. It's not to be fake. It's not to bring reproach upon the name of Jesus. It's to spend time in your prayer closet saying, God, burn in me that I might burn bright for you. I do not want sin. People don't hear God because they're sinning. Well, I just don't ever hear God. Well, stop looking at that crap on your phone. Get your eyes out of the junk of this world and look to the holy things of God. And suddenly you'll be able to hear that he's actually speaking to you. Get out of these things. Come out from among them. Do not continue to live a life entangled with hellish things. If God told you not to do it, he didn't say that because he's mean. He said it because he's holy. And first Peter says, he is holy, therefore be ye holy. We're called to holiness. First and foremost, that's what the gospel is about, to break the back of sin off of your life. It's not so you can just continue to live in sin and feel okay about it. It's so that you can dominate sin once and for all in your life by the shed blood of Jesus. That's why the Bible says, crucify your flesh with Christ Jesus. We need to get back to crucifying the flesh. America, newsflash, stop playing with sin. Do not let the devil convince you that these things don't matter. God's holy. He manifests through people that are surrendered to him. People don't hear God because they play with sin. The longer you play with sin, the, more, the, more, the harder your heart will get, the less you hear God, and the angrier you'll be, and then you'll blame the church and think it's all fake, but it's never been fake. It's always been a true move of God. Another reason why people don't hear God is because they're distracted. We're distracted right now, distracted by everything. Too many things going on that, that vie for your affection and your time. People that are distracted don't hear you. Whenever the staff comes, whenever I'm doing something, Erin knows she just stops and waits till I'm done texting because I won't hear anything she says while I'm texting because I can't write, hear, and think at the, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Else I'm going to text, you know, like some jobbery Jew, like gibberish, whatever. Jobbery Jew is not a real word, but that's what you text, you know? People are like, what does that mean? And you got to be focused when you're texting this day and age because Siri likes to change things up on you. And I don't know what it is with Siri. She always wants to change it to bad things. You notice that? You foul devil. I curse you. I did not say that. <laughs> Distractions. People get distracted. Too many things going on all the time. You're distracted. You don't hear God because you're distracted. Your, your affections are pulled this way and that. You're desiring. That's why, that's why things like giving matters. 
Because giving breaks the power of this world off of a person's heart. Where you're no longer being distracted by the things of this world. Always desiring for more things. You desire God. you got to break that off. That's why Jesus spent so much of his time talking about how we deal with earthly things. Because he recognized this will, tear, this will steal a person's heart and affection. It will blind their life where they live their whole life trying to get something. Let me tell you something. You can try your whole life to get a Bentley. When you get it, you'll have a car. You've had a car most of your life. People don't understand this, but it's like, if I could just get that house, I'll be happy. You won't be happy in that house. It's a house. That's all it is. Some of the people that have the least are the most joyful people and actually do the most for God. Because they're not weighed down with every distraction. Who cares what so-and-so said about such-and-such? Who cares about the Johnny Depp trial? My God, when that was going on, more people in the church are choosing sides. Team Depp, Team Heard. What about the glory of God? Who cares what two lost people have done? I could not be bothered by it. They both need Jesus. I can sum up the trial in that. They need Jesus. Amen. Stop being distracted. The enemy always distracts the church. Squirrel. (laughs) Fighting this thing and fighting that thing and binding that thing. Just focus on hearing the Lord and do what God tells you to do. It goes with the same thing the Lord told me just recently. He said, move quickly, stay sharp, and don't get burdened down. You get distracted trying to do everything you think everybody else thinks you're supposed to do. Does that make sense? Good. Then you're distracted, and then you're always going back to take care of something you were never supposed to take care of. Your whole life passes by, and nothing happens because you were distracted. Focus on the Lord. Remember when we took this church? It was all there were so many challenges, but the Lord spoke to my wife. She said, "He said two words here. He said laser focus." God said, "Get laser focus in this hour, and whatever you focus on will grow." That's still true today. Whatever you focus on in your life will grow. If you focus on the problems of your life, the problems will be the biggest part of your life. If you focus on the kingdom of God, the kingdom will be the biggest part of your life. Period. That's why soul winning is powerful because it gets you out of the me, me, me place to the them place. And the moment you start pouring out your life for another person, you recognize your problems don't even matter. That God can deal with them while you're actually helping another person break off a problem in their life. Are you grabbing this right now? That's like the church spends so long distracted by their own, you know, their own stuff, you know. I just don't have these things and I, I just need these things and I just want these things. But it's empty. It's always been empty. Everything in this world is temporal. It will pass away. The only thing eternal is the glory of God. And the souls of men and women that you bring with you. Amen? Don't get distracted in this hour. Focus on the things of God. There might be things in your life that you... Too many plates you're spinning right now. Stop spinning them. If they fall, let them fall. You don't have to spin all of them. There should be time in your life set apart where there's peace in your life to just pursue God and freedom. Amen? Do not get distracted right now. Secondly, or thirdly, why people don't hear God. They're living in sin... They're distracted. They get offended. 
Offense is one of the largest things that I've said. This generation deals with offense more than any other generation I've ever seen. We get offended over everything. I can't believe they said that to me. I can't believe they commented that. I can't believe you did that. I, I used to, when I was in high school before I was saved, I had a girlfriend that had a way of manipulating everything I said to be bad. It left me with like a fear, a hyper fear to even say things. I was like, be very careful with my words, lest I offend this person. That's America today. You know, I don't like mangoes. So what you're saying is blueberries are, are bare. No, I just don't. You know how it is. People get offended over everything right now. Offense is usually rooted in, in um, unrealistic expectations. You expected something to be one way, and it wasn't that way, so you get offended, and you're convinced that everybody else did it wrong because it wasn't what you thought. That's why people get offended in marriage. They get married. Their wife doesn't do everything she's told to do. What's wrong with this woman? She's broken. I'm going to go get another one. Then I'll get another one. It's like a whole generation of broken women that think for themselves. What the heck is happening, man? People get offended because they have unrealistic expectations. They get offended because things don't go according to their plan. Let me say, people get offended at God because God doesn't do what they want him to do. He's God. You have got to always put that first. He is the king of glory, not you. His ways are perfect, not your ways. His ways are higher, not your ways. And trust whatever God is doing. You can't let offense in. Let me tell you something. Offense, the river of offense is the river of deliverance. Oftentimes when you get offended, it's because you've got to deal with that. People get offended in the church when somebody's blessed. Oh, this person's got money. Uh, They get so angry, they attack that person. Really what you're exposing is you have jealousy in your heart. You're jealous and you've never trained yourself to rejoice when another person gets blessed. And so you're always in that place of anger. Anytime God does something for someone else. And then you wonder why he's not doing it for you. Because you're too busy sulking in the corner when he's called you to walk out and grab a hold of it. The inheritance. Are you with me? If you have offense, let that be a sign in your life that this is something I need to get before the Lord to get broken off of my life. I don't want to live my life in offense. I don't want to be offended every time somebody else gets a word from God and not me. I don't want to be offended every time. Take me as a preacher. You get up and preach, looks like crickets. Sometimes you're on, sometimes you're off. <laughs> Next person gets up and blows it out. What, are you going to sit there and be offended? Right. <laughs> you got to put that before the Lord. You cannot let jealousy in your heart. You cannot let what God does in another person offend you. If it does, get yourself right with God. Lay it down. Say, bless God. My father is awesome. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He's blessing his children. I'm his child. I'm going to be blessed and highly favored. Offense ultimately leads, as the Bible says, to a bitter heart. And a bitter heart is the gateway to all sin. So then because you get offended, now you feel a green light to sin because you're convinced everybody's doing it. It's not the way it works. That is not true. There are people sanctified and set apart for God, and God will reward them. And when you see that, rejoice because it's proof there is a God. And he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him just as he said in his word. 
God is not a man that he should lie. He will do the things that he says he will do. Amen. So if you're dealing with offense, that's something you've got to get rid of. Right? The Bible, I, I forget who, my, my old youth pastor, when I first got saved, said the word that's used for offense in the Bible is an action verb that means to pick up a rock or a burden. So when you get offended, it's where you decide to pick up a burden to carry. And then you're carrying it around with you, fatiguing yourself because you decided to take this offense. You got to let the thing go. Amen. If someone's done you wrong, learn, you can forgive them and release it from your life. Because you will encounter things where people do wrong to you. But if you let that hold you at that place, this week, man, was a crazy week. But uh, one of the young girls came to me. She didn't understand the Holy Ghost, didn't understand people falling out, had issues. She was like, what is this? Then the next morning, the power of God hit this girl. She's up in the altar crying, weeping. She came to me and she said, for seven years, I lived under abuse from my stepdad. She said, but that morning, I raised my hands and I forgave them. And she said, it's like the darkness left me. She said, it's like it's not in me anymore. I don't have that anger and that hurt. Guys, if you can forgive that, you can forgive anything. Don't let offense, don't let the wrong someone else has done to you also affect you. Don't live with their sin. Forgive them and let them deal with it on their own. But you, you release them from it. Learn to bless those that persecute you. They come against you publicly, send them a gift in the mail. That's right. They call you a false prophet, send them a bouquet of flowers and say Jesus loves you. That's the truth, isn't it? Just proof I'm a real prophet. Learn to do these things because offense takes people out. When I, I mean, this generation, man, because of social media, we get offended over everything. But I remember as a kid, what did we always say? Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. I'm rubber, you're glue. What you say bounces off of me and sticks to you. Come on. That's revival right there. Come on. We need to write a worship song like that to set the church free right now. <laughs> right in the midst of there's something about the Lord. Uh, sticks and stones may break your bones. But words will never hurt you. That's right. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Let it go, man. Let it go. Let them go. Release them from it. You got people sitting in church, angry they can't hear the Lord, but if you mention one name, they just start twitching. You brought up that name. That should be a red flag to you. I got something to deal with right now. I got to get to the other side of this thing. Father, I thank you that I will not live my life offended. I will be released from this offense. I release them from it, and I will live free by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You might have done me wrong, but there's someone that's done so much right to me. I will not be identified as a person that's been done wrong to. Hey. I'm known by one that is righteous all the time. 
Another reason why people don't hear God is because of false doctrine. The Bible talks about in the last days the doctrines of demons, that religious spirit that has the arrogance to tell God who he's allowed to be. That's arrogance. Every time you dictate to God what he can and cannot do, that's slipping into a place of such arrogant false doctrine where you suddenly you are Lord and he is beneath you. Where you are so convinced what God can't do and can do that you wonder, why do I not hear the Lord? Well, because you have pride in your heart, which is one of the biggest, biggest sins not dealt with. We'll deal with lust because it's evident. Stop chasing that girl. Stop wanting that wealth. But pride, we let it go all the time. You got to deal with pride. Pride tells you that you're better than other people. That you can preach better, that if you were the one leading, you would lead better, that if you were the one with these resources, you would do better, that if you were God, you wouldn't do that, that if it was really God, he wouldn't act that way. And all of those things, it's pride-centered in the heart, which is the doctrine of demons to tell you that your opinion is greater than God's because what did the devil say in the garden? He convinced them that God, was his character was in question, and he was withholding the true power from men. And that still operates today where men want to glorify themselves above the throne. You've got to humble yourself and recognize there are times I've seen God do things and I'm like, I don't understand that, God. But I can feel your presence so I know it's you. If the glory of God is there, then trust it. But if he's not there, then have the wisdom to get out of there. You know what I'm saying? So if you're in a church and it feels creepy, dark, weird, and someone brings out a snake and says, put your hand out, go ahead and run out the door. <laughs> feels weird, probably is weird. <laughs> People said that about us when we came to town. We came to town seven years ago and word spread that we were one of those places that lets snakes out and lets you bite. I'm like, People are so jealous. They just make up stories. They told people that I, there was, that I, was, I didn't believe in wearing pants or something like that. Jeans, yeah. That you couldn't wear pants, uh, jeans in church. You had to wear dress slacks only. And that we released snakes in the place. I mean, we were only here like two months and all this stuff is being spread about us. Bro, I don't like snakes. You bring a snake up in this place, you're going to see some Holy Ghost stomping. I'll show you how we deal with these things. The Bible says you crush them with the heel of your foot. And if I have a pistol, you might just see that. People say, you don't need an AR. You do when a snake shows up. I had a redneck cousin that used to just pick them up. Jeez, to this day, he still doesn't really know the Lord. <laughs> false doctrine don't let pride enter into your heart where you convince yourself what God can and cannot do don't let labels affect you because that's what the enemy does he creates labels you see it in the politic world or the political world you see it in the church world let's throw a label on it so we can roll the, throw the whole thing out you're one of those people label it sideline it that's not even the way anything works in life it's like, you're a man. You're going to think that way. I guarantee you, if you polled all the men in this room, we think differently. Yeah. You, even though we're all men, we still think differently. So you can't, you can't give a title and just write things off. False doctrine 
It's one of the biggest things I've seen where people go off and then they never come back. Guard yourself. Stay under the anointing of God. Stay in the pure things of heaven. Keep your heart pure with God and keep humble. A humble spirit is the key right there. Things fill off, research it. If it's off, bless them, move on. If it's on, if you read it in the word, then you got to stand for it. Amen. I remember years ago, I wanted to prove by the word that you could do business, that you're supposed to do business and ministry and not take an offering. Because I didn't want to take an offering when we launched in the ministry. That was one of my biggest things. So I was like, I'm not going to do that. And so I remember that. And I started studying the word of God because I knew Paul was a tent maker. So I could prove this thing by scripture. But the more I read, then you come across the part where Paul encounters the Lord in a dream, is forbade by the spirit to go to the same places he'd been going. And then a man from Macedonia stands before him and calls him to come. When he goes there in obedience to a heavenly vision, The blessing of God is released upon his ministry, and the Bible writes down that the Macedonian people gave beyond their ability to his ministry, and he writes later saying, you Philippians, the chief city of Macedonia, know that you're the first church to ever enter in to a partnership with me. And because of that, he shook the entire region of Ephesus and turned the city upside down because finally he didn't have to make tents every day. He was able to preach the word every day. And the Bible writes it down. It says, for two years and three months, Paul spoke daily in the temple and daily in the school of Tyrannus until the entire city was turned around. And I remember reading that and I was upset because my original revelation that I wanted to teach was not there. I had to line up with the word. Anybody in here ever had to line up with the word? It's like you want this to be right. And then you read the Bible and you're like... fine, whatever. I guess you know what you're doing. (laughs) Another reason why people miss God is they don't see it. They don't see what they're supposed to see. Too blinded by this world, looking at too many other things, and you simply don't see what God wants you to see. You read Paul. Paul didn't say, I think I was obedient to God, but I'm not sure. Paul said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. He knew exactly what he was supposed to do. God will, you know how many of the kids in this week had visions from God of things to come? God will give you dreams and visions. Acts chapter 2, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. They will dream dreams and they will see visions. God is in the business of revealing things to his people. He wants to reveal things to you. When we expanded this property, if you remember that, that was we just moved in last year when we blew the walls down. I, for years, we were trying to figure out what to do. I'm preaching in Houston, Texas, driving in the back of a car, and I had a vision. I mean, while we're driving in the middle of the day, I saw the property expanded. I saw that, that, that section become grass. I saw everything we've done next door. I saw it all in my mind. By the Spirit of God. And when it was dropped on me, then it was a green light with faith attached to believe this is the way of the Lord. We can do this because God's showing us to do it. Then we come in here, we announce it only in two months. Two months, all the funds required to blow the thing out came in. It took longer to get the permits than it did for God to get us the resources. Come on. 
Then the first weekend in the building, God supernaturally, the, the offering that weekend brought everything that we spent right back to our account. That's God. Hey, that's God. And that's what I'm waiting on on the next property. The Lord will show it to us. And when he shows it to us, I don't care if it has a price tag of 30 million. If God shows it to you, it's going to come to pass. Because my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think. You got to see it. Too many people trying to figure out God with the natural mind. Letting your resources in your bank account dictate where God's going to take you. Forget the number in your account because the number above is greater than any number below. Jeez, I feel faith. Hey, I may not feel good today, but, he, but I feel good today. Man, stop letting what the natural eye sees dictate what the spirit world is about to break loose in. You got to see it by the spirit. You got to see it by the spirit. When you begin to see these things, I've had God reveal to me people's faces before I ever stepped in a church service. I saw them by the spirit. Never been in the church before, knew exactly who they were. By the spirit, knew exactly what word to give them. I remember calling out a woman saying you were just divorced, your husband abused you, he left you broke, but there's a man that you have questions about, but he's a righteous man and he's coming into your life and he will be your, um, what was the word? Boaz, Boaz. I mean, I prophesied it. You'd have thought eight angels were behind me. Everybody in the village knew this story. Everybody, the place went ballistic. And the guy's like, I told you. I he wasn't sitting by her. He's over on the other side. That's your Boaz. What's that meme say? Don't settle for no broke ass. Get a real Boaz. <laughs> God will give you a Boaz, not a broke ass. Somebody say amen today. <laughs> you got to see it by the spirit. You know, when we saw the, when I saw it being expanded, Pastor Jeff can testify because my office was over here. You guys are sitting in my office. How's it feel over there? A lot of studying of the word was put in that office. And we were in there that first morning I got back from Houston, and a man in the church came forward. He had a dream. He used to interpret dreams. It was about pickup trucks being remodeled, buy a new one or remodel one. And he looks at us after telling us this dream, and we're both just like, that's a cool dream. He says, that means that you're going to blow out the walls of this place. We're like, that's accurate. You nailed it, confirmation. God will give you confirmation. When he's calling you to do great faith moves, God will give you confirmation, amen? But see it by the Spirit. See it by the Spirit. Press in for those things. Lord, what's ahead of me? Lord, what's the way? You're the way maker, show me the way. You're moving across the earth right now, show me what part I play. And God will show it to you. 
And lastly, people miss God because they simply won't do it. When it comes down to it, where the rubber meets the road is sometimes you just got to actually get out and do it. Stop dragging your feet. God will give you tr- uh, confirmation for big things, but a lot of things he gives you, people are still fleecing God after serving him for 40 years. God, if you really want me you know, to do that, let seven doves fly down from above with a golden ring and one of them named Ezekiel. I mean, we make up the weirdest stuff, don't we? Because then you know it's God. No, you know you're weird. And you've watched way too much anime in your life. Stop watching fantasy novels and bringing it into the kingdom. Lord, if it's you, let a sword appear in the sky. No, like just go and do what he's called you to do. People miss God because they want to wait until conditions are perfect. If God says do it, do it. If God says jump, jump. If God says sit, sit. If God says run, run. Do what the Lord tells you to do. James said that with your works, your works is dead unless you have works with it. Your faith is dead unless you have works with it. So faith is an action. You do have to actually do something. Are you with me? Anybody ever had the Lord tell you to do something and you didn't want to do it? Like it's uncomfortable. No, God, please, Jesus, you've got the wrong one. You probably don't know this, God. (laughs) But I am the least qualified. What did Moses say? God's like, I've heard the cries. I've come down and I'm sending you. (laughs) Back up a moment. I I stutter. Which I don't even know if he really stuttered. Because it says he was actually trained. By, Egypt, by the Egyptians, I think suddenly he developed a stutter in that moment. No, 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 if you know this. But, 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 but I stutter. I went to Bible college with a guy that stuttered all the time. Every time he had a conversation, he stuttered. He actually did have a problem. Every time he stood up to minister, the anointing would come upon him and he would never stutter. I mean, stutter the first word and then for an hour and a half, preach clear as a, as a bell and then come back down and be like, that, 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 that was amazing. <laughs> Supernatural. That's the God we serve. Come on. If he tells you to do it, go and do it because you're about to see the mighty hand of God. Move mountains, friend. Hey, what did Gideon say? When God showed up to Gideon, he's like, no, not me. I'm the least of the smallest of the families or whatever he made up. (laughs) Not me, God. I'm the redneck from Tennessee uneducated. I make up words on the fly. (laughs) The Lord says, some of your words I really enjoy. (laughs) Where the English language fails, I will take you beyond. The Bible says that if you seek him, you will find him. So in your pursuit of God, you're going to lay a hold of the hem of his garment if you stay true to that. And when you find him, you better believe that God has made an assignment here on earth for you to do. And that's where you got to do it. 
Do it with all of your heart, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, with everything you can. You serve God with an excellent spirit, saying, God, if you've called me to do this, I will do this to the absolute best that I can do it. And anything I'm lacking, I thank you that you cover my lack. And God can work with that. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. God will work with you if you just give him the opportunity. I'm going to ask for every head to be bowed, every eye closed this morning, if I can get someone on the keys playing. All across this room right now, as I preach this message, maybe some of you, you're actually called to God to do something you've been putting off on the back burner for a while. Maybe the Lord has brought it full circle to you right now, and you're like, man, I'm, I'm tired of waiting on this thing. I should have moved on this thing, Father. Maybe it's terrifying. Maybe it's uncomfortable. Maybe, it, maybe you don't even know how to do it. Maybe your problem is, I don't know this step. If that's you, I want you to come forward right now. Because the Lord's going to touch you this morning in the altar, I believe. Thanks for listening to River Claremont's podcast. We pray you were greatly blessed by this message. If you'd like to keep up to date with what's happening at the River Claremont Church, visit us at riverclaremont.com.